hello and welcome to a very special bonus episode of We Podcast and We Know Things. My name is Greg Hall, and alongside of me is almost always the best damn voice in the business, Sam Matura. Excited for this one today, baby. We have an incredibly special guest that we are super, super psyched on to have on the show. Ralph D'Amato, producer of the Tony Hawk Pro Skater documentary, Pretending I'm a Superman, available digitally August 18th at THPS Film on Twitter and Instagram. You can also go to THPSFilm.com. Ralph, thank you so much for taking the time to be with us today. Hey, thanks for having me. I appreciate, appreciate the time today, guys. Uh, this is something we've been looking very, very forward to. Yeah. Now, 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 before we dive in, let's learn a little bit more about you. What are some of your hobbies outside of games and film? Outside of games and film, I've, I'm a bass player, so I play bass in a band, um, awesome. a local cover band here in Orange County. And I was actually fortunate enough since I worked on the on the soundtrack, I was I put one of our songs in in the game back in that Thug Two, so. Yeah, it's kind of a, a hobby of mine still. You That's took awesome. you took one of our questions out of our mouths. I love it. We're off to a good start. <laughs> Excellent. Now, we also know that you have a love for video games going back to PC. Did you have a connection to skateboarding prior to working with Tony Hawk Games? Yeah, I mean, I played a ton of 720. I, I skated as a kid, you know, and that, that's you're talking about the the mid the late 70s early 80s you know and i was skating i started off skating like plastic boards like the penny boards of today um and it was mostly if you didn't want to ride your bike you know you didn't want to bring your bike somewhere you you take your skateboard jump off of you know jump off of curbs that that kind of thing not not much in the way of tricks yeah yeah, i skated a, a little bit um wouldn't consider myself like a skater like kids today at all yeah. No, they, yeah. They, they attempt some crazy thing. The stuff you see on YouTube is madness. Yeah, yeah. It's pretty insane the level that he's gotten to. Sam and I Sam and I grew up on skateboards, so we we count ourselves among the lucky ones. I uh I was lucky enough to skate for a couple companies until I got fat and old. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> it happens. It happens. <laughs> just yeah, be- I, I just took a nasty fall and then I just Hung up the board, and you know that was the end of my career. Yeah, yeah, that happens too. The old, the old Chadillac, the old Chadillac Muscalade. Sam's, yeah, Sam's <laughs> last That's board. Your last board. Nice. Don't think I don't remember when we were thirteen, Sam. <laughs> no, you do. Nice. Good memory, right? You have a good memory. Uh, this nice. stuff. So before we kind of go into like the Tony Hawk game specifically, there's a there's a funny thing about this documentary is we have you on. You're the producer. But this documentary is actually directed by somebody else, a Swedish filmmaker, Ludwig Gör. How did you get connected with Ludwig and, and launch this even idea to make this film? So it, uh, long story short, Ludwig had put together a video. Actually, he had a YouTube channel. I was basically a fan channel for um, for Tony Hawk's Pro Skater, and he put together this history of the of the series that was so well detailed. I mean, just so much detail in it that I, you know, I was kind of floored. And I and I showed my wife, and I talked talked to her, and she was the one that was like, you know, you got to get in contact, just message him, tell him how cool it was. And and you know, at first, my first reaction was no, 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 I'm not going to do that. And then eventually I did a message him and, you know, he kind of, he was kind of blown away that somebody from the development team had seen it. Meanwhile, I had already I'd sent it to Tony and Tony had already seen the video <laughs> as well. 
That's awesome. So it's kind of, yeah, it's kind of funny. So, um, yeah, we kind of connected on, on that. And then I went, you know, separately, I was planning on going out to Europe and well, Sweden and Italy for a vacation. And we ended up meeting up with Ludwig again and had lunch with him and talked. He was, he was in high school at the time. And then when he graduated, he came out to California we hung out again, played some of the games and started talking. That's really when we started talking about a, a documentary. And, and, you know, from then on, it was just tons and tons of Skype calls, um, you know, just lots of Skype going over different ideas and, and how we're going to get this thing done. And, you know, all of the ins and outs of, of the documentary. No. So how, how did something like this, how long did it take to make you know, it was about a two and a half, three year process. And when I say, you know, it wasn't, we weren't working full time on, on it through that process where we were putting together funding and, and, you know, getting different shoots scheduled. And, and, you know, we had probably, I would say about maybe three weeks of, of interview shoots that we did in total out of, I think it was like three different sessions. So, but the majority of the time, obviously, is always spent in post. Um, we, we did a lot of post-production uh, work, and, and that took a, a bunch of time. And, you know, this is both my first film and Ludwig's first film. So, you know, you make a lot of mistakes along the way. Yeah, <laughs> you, learn, <laughs> you learn a lot of things. So um, that added a little bit of time. But, we, you know, we worked with some really good people, and, and we're stoked to, to have it come out soon, you know. It's, it's uh Kind of a, our, our, our passion project is about to see the light. So we're stoked. Yeah. Again, just to remind everybody, it's, it's August 18th. So this coming Tuesday, you can get your hands on it digitally, wherever uh, on demand or, you know, digital uh, videos are available. You had mentioned a few minutes ago, somebody from the development team reaching out to him. And, and it's funny because you're not just a producer on this film. You were the assistant or an assistant producer for Tony Hawk pro skater one, then a producer for seven other Tony Hawk games, I believe all the way up, what through project eight. Yeah. I worked on the first, I uh, worked in production on the first eight uh, video games. So, so yeah, what so that was, it was uh, quite a lot of Tony Hawk pro skater experience. What goes no. in, what goes into the role of producer for a video game? You know, it changes. It changed over time. At the beginning, um, it was a smaller team, so you had thirteen, fourteen of us, um, and so there was there were two of us. Scott Pease was was a producer. I was associate producer, and then the last one there were there were about one hundred and fifty people, and so you you expand, or you you kind of change and start focusing on different aspects of the video game. Um, so I, I was kind of responsible for a few different aspects like character art and, and, and um, licensing and, and uh, legal and the soundtrack and, you know, just animation. So you, you kind of jump from one area to another. And, and as a producer, you're basically just, you know, maintaining the schedule and making sure the team has what they need to, to get their jobs done on time. And, and, uh, you know, keeping things done, keeping the, 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 the flow of the game going forward and the schedule moving forward. Before Sam goes into his next question, I actually just, I, I'm dying to know this. I've been wondering this forever. Um, as a producer, do, does part of your responsibility include like picking out what decks what make into the game or is that really up to the skater? Like does Mullen pick out his decks or was that the, the development and production team? Yeah, they, they would pretty much pick out when it came to that level of what deck they wanted, what they wanted to wear, um, 
what their special tricks were that that came from the skaters themselves or their sponsors we would work with their individual sponsors and they would they would give us hey we're you know these are these are the new deck designs for this year or this is the new um, shoe designs that we're using this year so those would come through that way and we were you know we were very accommodating because we wanted to that sort of lent some of the legitimacy of skateboarding yeah, if, yeah. If you had product that was that you can go into the store and buy, you know, it was like, well, okay, so this is real. This is real. This isn't just some fantasy, you know, artwork. Yeah, that's awesome. How does that differ from your responsibilities as a producer on this film? So there, you know, there's just different kind of the, the producer of, uh, you know, as a producer on the film, I, I'm solely responsible for. Pretty much the entire schedule, budget, uh, making sure everybody is where they are, they need to be, um, making sure that the you know that the ball is moving forward and that yeah, schedules you, you, are being met. You go wherever you're needed. Yeah, that's pretty much. Like, I yeah. mean, that's that's your you're you're the you're you're the owner basically. You're the one sole owner of, of the film, and and you're just kind of making sure all, all the the people. You know, you've got good like Ludwig is an amazing was amazing director and, and managing the crew really well. So I didn't really have to handle too much of that, but, you know, making sure that the crew gets paid and everybody's happy and, you know, the timing, they, they know what the schedule is. That was, you know, that, that's kind of what I did. It, similar in video games. It's just, it got, you know, the video game is so big. You don't, one person, it's just too much for one single producer. So you'd have multiple producers. I think the last game, I worked on it was probably I want to say five or six different producers and then associate producers under them. Um, so it's you know it's a much bigger operation, a much bigger crew of developers. So you need you know you need more producers to help with that. Where in a film you know it's it's really it's ultimately the producer himself that that has a lot of the responsibility. I had I had some associate producers. My wife was actually an associate producer and helped. Help quite a bit, <laughs> That's um, awesome. but the That's majority awesome. of the yeah the majority of the planning and finance and all that stuff is on the associate or is on the producer's shoulders. Right now, and you mentioned you know kind of being a bigger team. I know NeverSoft and and that for the the first game it started off as a smaller team, growing and growing and growing. But you know when you think back to those Tony Hawk games, especially the first, I want to say three, maybe four. I think four might have been too late, but you had ported. Um, at least the first two or three to the Nintendo 64. What do you think the biggest challenge porting those games to a cartridge-based console like the N64 was instead of, you know, the disc-based PlayStation? Yeah, fortunately, we didn't, inside of Neverstop, that wasn't our job because we were we were too busy working on the on the PlayStation version. We, we gave the assets that we had to, um, I believe it was Edge of Reality that did the N64 versions. Um, the biggest challenge, obviously, is the, the disc space compared to, I mean, even a, a, a CD with, what, 700 megs or whatever, 640 megs that it had was much bigger than what a Nintendo cartridge could hold. So, for, I mean, one, for instance, the music on the N64, they're, they're, they did not use two-minute loops. They did, like, I don't know, maybe 15, 30-second loops. So the music was chopped down. Um, I'm not sure if there were as many actual music tracks. There were video walls that we had in, in on the PlayStation. I'm not sure if those were were in the N64. So it was really just trying to fit the, the entire game 
into a cartridge that was, you know, that was manageable. That that was the biggest challenge, I think. Yeah, I can imagine trying to compress a song file or a, or like an FMV down into an N64. Oh, that's yeah, that's, that's yeah, rough. and they could actually still like have some kind of playability, you know, some kind of value. <laughs> it's not just noise or yeah. garbage, you know. Yeah, yeah. Kind of let's go deep. Yeah. Let's go deep into the film now. Um, I'm really, really interested in a lot of the things that I picked up along the way, you know, in our multiple viewing. Sam and I have probably watched this movie, I would say, 13 times combined in in the past week. It's just so good. And I want to know if you picked up something. I'd like to think you know. But Rodney Mullen name dropped you, I'm pretty sure. Like halfway in and it made it into the final cut he says something about talking to ralph did you pick that up or notice that yeah yeah i, I did i i didn't pick, i didn't pick that line that's that's living like i i didn't have anything to do with the, the 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 you know the cutting or whatever but yeah he um rodney is one of my favorites when he came when he would come in and we would try to accommodate him as much as as much as possible because it was always it was always a show seeing what Rodney could do. So oh, he was, he, 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 he was a magician. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and some of the stuff that he was doing, even from like the, that primo stuff, we, um, I just, you know, I kind of told him Rodney, if you want to practice, just let me know what you, cause we were going to mo- motion capture stuff. So we built, we actually even built a, a box for him to use and had it at our office. And he had a, he had a key to the back parking lot and we told security, yeah, you're going to see a guy come in probably really late at night. <laughs> He's gonna practice back there and just leave him alone. And, <laughs> and, and, Rodney, yeah, and Rodney Wood. So yeah, he was he is he's still like one of my favorites. He's a great guy. He's uh he'll always be a great friend. Um but yeah, he, he it was nice hearing it was definitely nice hearing the name drop. Um you know, it's, it's, uh, it was it was cool. It's, yeah. it's even though you worked with him literally in person, it's still gotta be one of those things that's kind of surreal. Like that yeah, this it's yeah. it's it's burned in the history that no, no matter what that's in the film forever that's a pretty cool thing yeah it's cool and it's kind of cool that it's that it's so kind of subliminal that if you don't listen you know it's not like it would have been kind of for me it would have been kind of cringy if it was really in your face yeah <laughs> but the way it kind of goes by okay people could totally miss that yeah not, not see it if but, they yeah, it, it was it's if they like cut to a picture of your face or something right after, I'd, <laughs> I'd be like, oh. Yeah, yeah that would have been bad. I would have told Big no way. No. I was half waiting for no it. I was, I was half waiting for it. I was like, are they going to do it? And then, you know what I mean? You stayed away from it. So good yeah, call. No, but, no, yeah, yeah. But, but another really cool thing uh, the credits song, May 16th, the Lagwagon song, the acoustic cover of it. That's really cool. How'd you get that? So actually, I'm not sure you might have had. I'm not sure which screener you're you're look. That that might have been an earlier screener because that that song actually got swapped out. We're doing the we're doing the the acoustic. We got changed to the acoustic version of Superman. Oh man, yeah, even yeah. better. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you can't go yeah. wrong. No, no, no. And we love the that version of of the Lagwagon song. That Lagwagon song is one of our favorites. Um, but when, when the guys, Goldfinger, we kind of worked with, you know, they were, we were telling them and, you know, we talked to them about the film quite a bit and then they put those songs out. We, not, we had the opportunity to, to use that Superman track. It just kind of, 
Had to. You yeah, had to. it was just kind of a no-brainer. We, we kind of had to. It just fits so well. So, yeah. yeah. And I think I speak for everyone when I say thank you for this this the soundtrack. I mean, having Primus, Bad Religion, and of course Goldfinger in this film, fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Thanks, man. I mean, I think you can't really have can't really do justice to a documentary about the the Tony Hawk's Pro Skater series without having music from from the actual. I agree. Now, to, we bit the bullet and we licensed all that stuff, and yeah, God bless that was you. awesome. You mentioned it earlier, but one of Want to touch on a little deeper? What's the story behind you getting your own band into Thug Two? Uh, I mean, it was pretty straightforward. We were, you know, at that point, we were, we were the the, the soundtrack lists were so big. I think Thug Two. I want to say there were probably sixty to seventy tracks. So we were taking, you know, there was a, there was a decent group of us. There's like five or six of us that were in the soundtrack team, and we'd throw out different ideas for songs. But we would always take indie band so uh, you know an indie band would email me or not email it would mail me a cd and we'd listen to it and if it sounded good you know it was cool we put it in for free so my band had a had a song that that we you know it's called sin city the name of the band is dead end road and so we we you know we had that song we just re, we just recorded um and it kind of fit and i was the producer that was working on the soundtrack so <laughs> i approved i approved it <laughs> you are the man sir <laughs> so so and there were other i mean there were a couple other bands that, that uh guys that were in the that were that worked on the video game as well that we put in so it wasn't like i was the only one there was like three or four other guys i mean that's one thing video games and and music kind of go hand in hand, you know, just like skateboarding and music. There are a lot yeah. of, a lot of video game developers are also musicians. So we would always, we're always happy to, to put stuff in. It was, you know, it's free and it's kind of cool. The, the interesting piece about it is to this day, you know, I put it on Spotify when Spotify started and we probably get about 25, 30 bucks a month on from Spotify just because our song gets wrapped up in all of the different Tony Hawk playlists. So, um, yeah, it gets like 20, 30,000, uh, plays on Spotify a month just because it gets, it gets wrapped up in those playlists. I think it's at, it's close to 600,000 plays and I mean, we're just a no name local orange County band, you know? <laughs> so it's kind of interesting. The power of that, of that soundtrack. Yeah. The power of skaters. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Equality and inclusion was a big part of the Tony Hawk Pro Skater games with Olus and Kareem. You fo- we thought you focused on that wonderfully towards the end of the film. Was that always the plan? Yeah, yeah. I mean, we definitely, you know, we we it was a challenge in getting all the skaters that we wanted to get in the film, uh, their timing and getting the the timing for everything to 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 jibe. But we we'd always wanted to have a you know the direction of of what the influence the game had from all aspects and, you know, getting, uh, getting some aspect of Kareem and Alyssa in there. Cause I think both of them, you know, they, they were a big impact in, oh, in the female and African-American skater communities. So yeah, it, it was, it's, it was a plan for sure. Um, it, it would have been, we would have loved to have both of them actually in it, but sometimes, like I said, timing just, just doesn't work out. Um, but we're, we're happy that we could at least represent them. And I think, you know, Kier, uh, if you, I don't know if you've seen Minding the Gap, that that, uh, that documentary that, that it was nominated for Academy Award last year or the year before? The year before, sure. the year before. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you haven't seen that documentary, it's really, really good. It's um, Hulu, by the way. I think it's still on Hulu. Just a little plug for that. It's a, such a, it's yeah. a powerful, powerful documentary. Yeah, yeah, really good documentary. Um, yeah, so that that was, uh, and Tony helped us with that with with that connection along with with Jordan. Um, and Jordan was supposed to. Hopefully, it's still going to happen. It's supposed to be in the Olympics. Hopefully, oh, awesome. that's, that's still that. Whenever, whenever in this crazy yeah, world, whenever whenever that there is another yeah. yeah, another Olympic. Yeah, it's still kind of crazy to think about skateboarding even being in the Olympics in general. Like that's still nuts to me. Yeah, it's it's uh, you know it's definitely gotten to that. It's it's it gotten to a level you know, globally where where it's everywhere now. You know, you've got skate camps everywhere. I mean, even in my town here in Mission Viejo, which isn't a very big town in Orange County, but there's like three different parks that are around. Um, that was now you never have that when I was a kid. I'd never have anything close to that when I was a kid. Yeah, and and even yeah. things like the you know SLS, you know Street League, things like that. Just yep. on you you turn on Fox or FS1 and it's there. You know, like the Mountain Dew tour. I know Tony did a tour back in like the early 2000s. So like I grew up. I I'd like to think. 13 year old me who wore studded belts and Jenko jeans and spitfire <laughs> spitfire t-shirts probably would not have approved of the skateboarding being the Olympics. But now at 32 at 32, I just sit back and say, I can't wait to DVR and watch it. Cause that's sick. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, it just opens the door up for so many, so many other kids to, to progress in, in skateboarding. So it's, it's a, it's a cool thing. I can't wait to, to see how it's all done and hopefully it's, Hopefully it doesn't lose the edge of skateboarding, you know, just as much as, you know, as it can in the Olympics. So yeah. we'll see. It's all about the commentary. If they get good yeah. commentary. Yeah. 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 That's, that's, and, and I'm pretty sure they will. So yeah. We'll see though. Um, now, obviously working with Neversoft, working under the Activision umbrella, you have a long history in games. Have you played any of the recent more like sim style games like Session or Skater XL? Not really. No, I mean, I, I've, um, I've seen, you know, I've looked at a few, I Ludwig is a huge skate, uh, skate game fan. So he's, you know, any, not just Tony Hawk, but any skate game he, he eats up and I know he loves all of them. I, I always had a problem, you know, like I tried back in the day of trying to skate franchise and I'm sure I'll get hated on it, but I just couldn't, my, my fingers and my brain is so, attuned to the Tony Hawk controls that it's just, it became difficult to kind of not, you know, up, down, you know, same exact thing. Yeah. It's just, I could not, and it didn't, and then I didn't really want to either. I would, I really would have to force myself to learn the flick controls and all of that. So yeah, I, I never really ventured out further past, you know, the Tony Hawk games too much. Um, but I'm, I'm super looking forward to the, the remake. I'm, I'm, Stoke. I think tomorrow is the the release of the of the warehouse level, if I'm not mistaken, on Xbox One. So I'm 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 looking forward to that for sure. Yeah, and and it's yes, it's if you've pre-ordered the game digitally, you get the the two minute yeah. warehouse demo. You can play on a loop, and a lot of people have been dropping previews of it, and it, it looks like yeah, it's on YouTube. It, it, Vicarious yeah. Visions. It looks like Vicarious Visions is doing a good job. We're actually going to talk about that in a, in a minute or so. You're you're absolutely right though. I was never a skate fan because I didn't like the sim style skateboarding game. I wanted that arcadey feel. And then I pick up Skater XL last month and it's changed me. This game is really really good. The problem is 
the controls are so difficult and so different that when these remasters come out, when this one and two remaster comes out, man, it's going to be an adjustment period. I mean, maybe like an hour, but still, it's going to be an adjustment period. I'm so looking forward yeah, yeah. To, to these remasters. Come, come back where you belong. I believe me. Yeah. I'm, <laughs> I'm staring at I'm staring at the uh, at Tony Hawk 4 in, in the box right now. So uh, on PS2, I was a PlayStation Tony Hawk nice. guy. Now, nice. my yeah. favorite part of the film was that it just it, it wasn't just a Tony Hawk retrospective. Ludwig already kind of did that on YouTube like you touched on. There you guys took the time to tell the story of skateboarding and how it culturally got to a point where a game like Tony Hawk was just like the perfect storm, the perfect game at the perfect time. How much do you think spending the first 20 minutes or so on the actual history of skateboarding adds to that documentary? Yeah, I think it's a huge part and that's, you know, that's all Ludwig. Um, we, we, we went, we went through different battles over how it should be. And thankfully in the end, we went with his direction. <laughs> I should have trusted his direction from the very beginning, but yeah, that, that, I mean, what, for me, what that then does is it opens it up to any, anybody that doesn't really know anything about skateboarding or the video game or anything. You get a little bit of a lesson in it, which to me, it, it, it hopefully will draw on a bigger crowd of, of people. I, I'm a documentary nut. I'll watch documentaries on pretty much anything. I mean, I've, I watched it from very tech things to, you know, chicken people, which is like a documentary about people who, who show chickens, like people show dogs. It's, it's crazy, but it's a great, <laughs> oh, yeah, great, I heard about that. <laughs> yeah. Great, great documentary. So I, I, but the, the thing that draws me into them is that sort of when you get a little taste of, the history of the background of things. So you have a bit of a, a base of understanding. So that, that to me is really important. And I think it draws people in just enough and it's just enough of a taste that then if you're, you are interested there, there's a number of other skateboard documentaries that, that'll do a great, great job of, of the history, you know, the complete history of skateboarding. So, yeah, I think it, I think it will draw in people that have no clue about, about skateboarding or the video game. Now, in the documentary, Tony Hawk Pro Skater 1 gets most of the airtime, followed by 2. 3 and 4 are touched on, but but not as much. What's something about the other two games you wish that made it into the film but didn't? Um, you know, the, I, I'm, I'm kind of happy with, with how it flowed. I think, you know, there could have been more of a, a touching on some of the control changes, but I don't really know how, how detrimental that would have been to the you know, moving the film along. Uh, well, certainly... I mean, if it, if it was like Skater XL, you know, I might have not loved it as much as I did. You yeah, know? yeah, for sure. Yeah, for sure. And, and you know, the, there were, that was part of the, that was part of the thing and, and part of the story that's told in the film of, of how, you know, we were constantly trying to add new things and, and change things and, you know, add a new piece. We we weren't like we weren't like Madden that you know you have a new lineup you throw in a, you know throw a couple of new plays we had to constantly be updating and you know we had nine months to do that in um, so it it was is difficult so it was kind of that that strain is is sort of difficult to show and 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 I just you know I think as as the story is told the 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 path of of how it went through you know, this, this huge impact. And then it just started reaching a saturation point, just, just like most video games do. And it was, and it was also good that you guys snuck in the 900 before the release. 
Yeah. <laughs> like that, that, that was awesome. Yeah, yeah, that was, um, I, I remember that time we had already, we had sort of been thinking about how, because we had, you know, we had spinning tricks, so making the extra spin, but getting it physics, getting the physics down, so, so it felt good. And then he landed it, then it was just like, okay, we got to get this thing in. I, I, you know, I know, I know Greg watched it live, I watched it live, like, it's just a moment you never forget where you were when you watched it. It was just like yeah, an amazing moment. Yeah. Yeah, I watched. Yeah, I definitely watched it live as well. So you're telling me that 20 minutes on spine transfers wouldn't have gotten you an Emmy? <laughs> Perhaps not. <laughs> Fair. Perhaps not. Maybe revert to spine transfer. I, I don't know. Maybe if you combo that. Yeah. See, that's that was kind of the big change in the game that that occurred for. You know, traditional players like me who I, you know, and this might be one of your questions, but like I prefer Tony Hawk 2 as as a favorite where I know other people like the later ones. I'm, I'm more of a fan of doing skate-like combos or skate-like lines, setting up a line and then ending the combo. I wasn't the 26 million point <laughs> combo guy. So Yeah, actually, that, yeah. That, me too. THPS two is my favorite as well because yeah, yeah. there were manuals because manuals were yeah. added, but not the reverts, the spine transfers, the yeah. hand plants, the getting yeah. off your board, all that good stuff. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, yeah, it, yeah. it felt yeah. like a really core skateboarding game, especially because you know, like I mentioned, that's when I was a skater. I started skating r- the year after THPS one came out. I would imagine a little bit of that was influenced by that game. And like you said earlier, to be able to go to the skate shop, ours was called G spot to go to, to be able to go to this big purple house nice. called G spot and say, Oh, that birdhouse, Tony has that in that game. Daddy, can I have that one? I think yeah, yeah. You know, that probably sold the, you know, what ton of decks. Uh, but you, yeah. you had mentioned it earlier, you know, just schedule conflicts and things like that. Um, but was there any skater from the franchise that you that you personally would have loved to see in the dock that what for, I know the answer is probably all of them, but you know, just one specific one that you were like, man, I really wish he or she was available not to add any flair to it, just because maybe it would have been something that you personally would have liked to have seen. Yeah. I, you know, like you said, it would have been, there were, there were quite a few of them that, that just schedules did not work out at all. I, you know, it would have been great to, to have seen Alyssa again. I, I, um, I always, I always had a great time in working with, with her. She was always so grateful for, for what the game did and, and how, but you know, and, and I see it both ways for what the game did, but, but what she did for the game as well, because you know, she's truly a pioneer back then. Girls just did not skate. And if they did skate, they got a lot of hate from, yeah. From from not only not only their their peers that didn't skate, but they got a lot of hate from guys that did skate too. So they kind of took it from both sides. So and she was she was one that that would have been really cool to have. And you know, I'll, we'll we'll figure something out at some point in time. We're gonna at, at some point in time when movie theaters open up and you can actually get crowds of people together again, we'll we'll, we'll do some type of a a reunion and show the show the film we'll, we'll see how that that pans out yeah now i, I gotta mention bucky lasso he's been my favorite skater since i was a kid was there any chance that you tried to get him in the film but again like timing didn't work out yeah it was with bucky it was it was one of those things you could only have 
and and this is this is more of a, a director thing than a producer thing because in my aspect i would i would keep on piling on more and more people but yeah the stories and you know how many it gets a bit repetitive you know people saying the same sort of thing about how the impact of the career so living kind of pick and choose chose the the people that he thought that would you know would could best tell the stories and and we had backups, but the nice thing was, you know, most of the people that we that we chose were they were they were kind of on board from the get go. So it was yeah, like that was kind of nice. Yeah, like the best part of like us, like you know, like a lot of us when we were younger, we all stayed along. We all had favorites. Like I know I was, I'm lucky was my favorite, Greg. Right? Like yeah, uh, everybody like Bob Burnquist, like everyone had their favorites. So anytime you see your guy, you're always rooting for him. Like it, it was always awesome. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Before yeah. before I ask this next question, uh, I just want to go back to when you said you were a documentary head. I am too. Um, I actually later on we have a question about that, but before we get there, you had mentioned like obscure docu- documentaries that you have seen. I just have to ask: Have you seen the documentary about the amazing Jonathan? No, I haven't. I've I've uh, been told by a couple of people to watch the doc. I have not seen it yet, though. Add me to the list. It's uh, yeah, yeah. It's a it's a yeah. trip. It's a ride. It's a ride. Yeah, I've I've been told by a couple of people that I've got to watch that doc. It's yeah. I always keep a little notepad in my phone of of different docs that people always <laughs> tell me. But then what I end up doing is I never go to the notepad, and I'm because I'm like I'll be surfing stuff. And then boom, I, I hit something and I'm like, oh, this is cool. And I'll be sitting watching that for, for an hour and a half. Yep. I do that with uh, music. People to recommend things on yeah, Spotify yeah. all the time. And I'm just like, yeah, I'll add it. I'll add it to the list to get to it eventually. Yeah. Now, yeah, for sure. with the next one, you don't have to get into specifics. I understand, um, you know, the things that are there are left there. But is there a ton of like awesome stuff on the cutting room floor and the reason I asked that question is my favorite aspect of filmmaking is the stuff that actually doesn't make it into the film, but maybe someday we'll see the light of day. I always think <laughs> I always think about like when Sam and I do interviews, I wish our listeners could hear the pre and post because it's always like just as much, if not more fun than doing the interview itself. So I have to ask, like, is there stuff on the cutting room floor that we may see someday or that we may not? That's like really awesome. Um, you know, Ludwig would say no, no. That everything that's awesome is in the film. I, there, there's some things you're gonna you're gonna see. Um, we do have some pieces that aren't in the film that we're putting up on on Instagram and on Facebook as little vignettes, little individual pieces. One, I'm not sure if we released it or not yet. But one is where where Costin kind of talks about how he um, was supposed to be in the first game, but kind of just spaced. A little bit did the whole skater <laughs> skater spacing and, and didn't follow up and so then he wasn't in the first game. <laughs> so yeah, awesome. there there are things uh, there are things like that. There's some there's there's some things like one of the first our test interviews that we did was me, which I will ne- I, I will pray pray that I'll never see again. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that that kind of stuff. I'm like thankful that. That Ludwig made the choice of, hey, um, yeah, you're not going to be in the film. At, at first, it was one of those things where, like, oh man, really? And then now <laughs> I'm like, oh man, I'm so thankful he did that. <laughs> but you got your name in. Mullen dropped <laughs> yeah. you. Yeah, 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 yeah. He got me in. He got me in somehow. It's funny, Jamie. Yeah, Jamie sorry. Thomas. I remember in the doc, Jamie Thomas actually says something similar. Like, I, I didn't know if I wanted to be in it, and so I feel like you. Like you just said, a lot of skaters kind of tell the same story and you have to pick and choose. If Costin's made it in too, it would have been a very similar story to Jamie Thomas's. So I, I guess there's a reason it made it to the floor, right? Yeah, 
Yeah, yeah, and and you know it's a it's a cool little piece, and and I, you'll see it'll get released on on Instagram and Facebook, and but yeah, it, it's those things where you know you've got one person saying the same exact thing, and, but you know this person says something. You don't want to. You can't just have it have the same person or different people saying the same thing three different ways. Right. It's a little boring. So yeah, it's it's. I will say though, it's just cool to see them in the dock. So it's almost like, who cares what they say? I'm watching Rodney Mullen again <laughs> in a dock. Uh, yeah, maybe when you do the DVD, <laughs> when you do the DVD, we'll throw in some more extras. Again, uh, at thps film on Instagram, if you want to check out those vignettes, and again, thpsfilm.com. We spoke about it a couple minutes ago. We'll bring it up just one last time. Maybe uh, we're now just weeks away from the Tony Hawk Pro Skater one and two remastered from Vicarious Visions, still under the Activision umbrella. What was your reaction to the initial announcement of this game? I was, I mean, I was really stoked. I've, I've wanted to play. My, my nephew is a hardcore skateboarder now, and he does stuff that I could never imagine even thinking about doing. And so I've always wanted to, to show him the games that we made and, and, you know, play. He's also a big video game head, so we just play these games with him. So having that opportunity and you know just a little bit of that nostalgia, and I've always having those games come back is is kind of cool. I mean, it's it's not just for me, but all the guys that worked on on the game. So yeah, I'm looking forward, and the timing worked out great. You know, it, it was just one of those whoa. And to be honest, I I really wanted. I thought maybe the a, a documentary could inspire another video game or could inspire skate video games to come out again because when we started there they were none you know there were none at all so it's kind of cool I, i'm i'm stoked i can't wait to to, to play it for sure with reverts and spine transfers <laughs> yes, they're yes. bringing in the physics i'm sorry yes yes yeah Part of me is hoping that, that there are toggles for that so I could play it old school too, but we'll see. <laughs> that would be we'll awesome. See. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. That'd be sick. It would be very easy in the options to turn it off and on. Yeah. We'll see. Now, you worked for Tony Hawk for four years? Yeah, yeah. So after after the video game, I went to work for Tony. I uh, you know I did sort of the, the emails to people to tell them, hey, it was nice working with you, and I'm, I'm going to be moving on. And sent one to Tony and he replied pretty, pretty shortly that he had a position at his, at his company for, um, I think it was, well, as director of new media was the title, but back then it was, it was going to be heading up the, the, um, the mobile initiatives. And back, back in 2006, that meant ringtones and wallpapers, you know, because this is all pre, pre, pre iPhone. So. Yeah, so that's kind of what I what I started working with him on, and that ended up kind of going away pretty quick. And we we um, we then did a deal with the guys at Funny or Die, the website Funny or Die, to create an action sports portal called Shredder Die, which was you know it was a pretty cool uh, you know snow skate surf moto BMX action sports video content site that we built up and then turned into the Ride Channel on on YouTube. Oh, that's I think sick. Is where it's at now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. So, I love I love ride. I like the uh, it's an older series. I don't think it's been there for a while, but uh, like when they would take skaters out to lunch. Yeah, yeah, free lunch, free yeah. lunch. Thank yeah. you, free lunch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love yeah, that series. series for me. Yeah. <laughs> no, was there anything else you wanted to tell us about you or the film before we get started on rapid fire? 
No, I think you kind of nailed it all. I mean, the 18th is coming out. Check out the website, uh, THS Film. We'll, once we have all the download links or the links to, to connect you to all the VODs, they'll be all linked in. So you can, uh, yeah, you can check it out. Appreciate it. Sam, let's get into our rapid fire. What are other documentaries would you recommend to our listeners? I can recommend some video game ones. King of Kong is a favorite video game documentary of mine. Um, Man vs. Snake is another really cool video game documentary um, about uh, Nibbler and Order of Ecstasy is a really cool documentary about uh, Tetris. Oh yeah, King of Kong is one of my King of Kong is one of my absolute favorites. Steve Wiebe, he got robbed. Let's go. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Freaking Walter Day makes it into your film too, and I was just talking to Sam about that. Walter's awesome. Yeah, Walter's awesome. (laughs) I was like, dude, that's Twin Galaxies. Holy crap. That's Walter yeah, Day, and I, the, every time I, awesome. yeah, every time I see Walter Day, I just think of the King of Kong. So good call out there. Yeah. In honor of Goldfinger, is Superman your favorite he- superhero? If not, who is? Yeah, I'd, I'd have to say Superman. I mean, he, I, I used to watch as I'll date myself as a kid. I used to watch the starting the black and whites, you know, the old cheesy Superman uh, TV shows. Um, yeah, so, yeah, Justice for Superman. Super Friends? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Super Friends, but then, no, I'm talking about the old, old Superman, the, the live-action Superman, like, oh. from the 50s, 60s, <laughs> oh, like, way, like, yeah, way back when, where he's a little bit on the, on the chunky side. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the golden age, that's all. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. What's the best cookie? Uh, white chocolate macadamia nut. Oh, nailed it. Last for me, Burger Street. Oh, a tough one. Man, that's such a tough call because for me, and this is going to be a cop-out, visually, I love vert skating because it's all compact. It's one area. You know, you're there. They're very consistent, yada, yada, yada. But then I also, I, I can see the difficulty in street skating, and it's what it's what everybody does today. Um, but I'd still say from a from a visual perspective and, and like, watching it live, vert skating. To watch to watch somebody skate tranny well is a thing of beauty. It's a thing. Yeah, of beauty. yeah. Especially consistency. Yeah, especially when they mix it in with with street. Like you're in the middle of the street part, and then you drop some tranny or whatever. Like Evan Smith, the skater out there now, he rides for Element. What an insane skater, and he he kind of mends the two of tranny and street really really well. It's it's like an art form. Plus these dudes are freaking insane. Yeah, yeah. It's you know just. From from a new like perspective, someone that has no perspective on skateboarding, when you see somebody flying up a thirteen foot vert ramp and getting another you know eight to ten feet above that, it's it's just you know there's nothing that compares to that. And I know the difficulty of doing you know switch backside tail slide. I know it's the difficulty in it, but it's it's just I don't know visually it doesn't compare to getting that air. The old, the old SSBSTS, switch dance backside yeah, yeah, tail slide. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You, you caught it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> now, uh, when, when we do... Uh, although, although, you know, you didn't, you didn't include freestyle in there, and freestyle is going to make a resurgence. I do, I do love me some freestyle. There was, a, there was a, a viral video of a kid doing freestyle that went around like a week or two ago, and, and it got people talking. So you're absolutely right, yeah, freestyle. Yeah, yeah. It's a thing. About. You want to talk about an art form, like... My goodness. And you want to talk about something that's contained in one place, like freestyle is the way to go. I, I 
Phew, yeah, you're absolutely right. I, freestyle, yeah. the best I could do is like a primo stall into a little flippy spin. I don't even know what you call it. That was as far as my freestyle took it. I'd rather ollie down. I'd rather ollie down some steps. Yeah, I can do a kickflip, yeah, so I was happy. <laughs> yeah, you're good. Yeah, you're good. Uh, yeah. So every single week on our show, we do a top three list: top three movies, top three Disney things, top three you know Chinese food menu items. It can be anything in the world. Next episode. What should our top three list be? Uh, top, I guess top three skateboard video games. There you go. Done. And it's, uh, it's episode 200. So it's a big one. Excellent. Perfect. Yeah, excellent. We will remember that. Excellent. Sam, keep the minutes. Take that down. <laughs> South Park, <laughs> South Park debuted 23 years ago today. What is your favorite animated TV show? Uh, you know, I used to watch a bunch of South Park, but I, I'm probably my favorite would be Be Beavis and Butthead. I mean, that was and I, and I was you know they made that they made that remake or resurgence. I don't know how many years ago. It was probably too many now. And I was hoping that it would stay stick around, but it didn't. So it's coming back. Yeah, it's gotta be. It's coming it back. Again. So oh, excellent. Happy. Yeah, excellent. Mike yeah, Judge I, I too. Loved. It's gonna be Mike Judge. Sweet. Yeah. So it's coming Sweet. back. I think 2021. Comedy Central. Oh wow. Yeah, I've always loved some Beavis and Butthead. I mean, I used back in the day I used to love Ren and Stimpy too, but that that's that's been a while. Yeah. Yeah. Our, I Future. would say Futurama is my favorite. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My brother is the huge anything cartoon he watches. Yeah. Like anything. Ludwig <laughs> too. Our director is gigantic Simpsons fan. Now, this one we talked earlier and we said, hey, if you don't if you don't want to pass, this yeah, is the sure. this, this is the only one I might I would say might fall into that bucket. And I say this with all yeah. due respect to Robo Moto. Sum up Tony Hawk Five in one sentence. Um, rushed. It was a bit rushed. I, I think perfect. I think that's the perfect word for it. A little bit yep. more time in the kitchen. Maybe not a ten gigabyte patch day one, and they would have been yeah. on something. Yeah, I think I think there's had to have been something in the you know rushing it yeah right that's think, all i can say that's all i can think of because i i, I feel the same pain everybody else felt about it <laughs> i did give it a decent i did give it a decent play too i played yeah. it i threw the first i can't remember three or four levels or so uh, you did it first yeah for sure robomoto also did uh tony hawk pro skater hd we'll leave that one uh in in the on the cutting room floor as well but yeah, yeah. Uh, Two, I, don't, I didn't play HD. <laughs> two more for you. If you were in charge of the remasters soundtrack, what three bands besides your own would make the cut? <laughs> I mean, you have to have you have to have a bad religion track. Yep. And this is all going to be one sided. You have to have a gold <laughs> track, and you you have to have a Primus track. I mean, <laughs> I, 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 but you have to. You're right. You have to. You have to. Like you yeah. have to. If you're gonna make, if you're gonna remake those or something that sounds like it, you could exchange one of those for like Dead Kennedys. I I see my my thing with the the soundtrack was I, I leaned heavily on the punk and yep. and rock stuff. So that 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 to me is what SoCal um, skateboarding was all about and. Uh, you know, those bands, Goldfinger, Bad Religion, Primus, then those, you know, that was primarily why those are in our soundtrack. Those, course, are, our main, those are our main three hits. We're like, well, we have to have Goldfinger for sure. We have to have Primus. We have to have uh, Bad Religion. And they just happen to be bands that Living and I are both fans, all fans of. So it's it was, yeah. 
That would be, that would be, those would be my picks. I'm, I'm happy uh, you didn't say Ace of Spades because that would probably cost you the whole budget. <laughs> I do like me some Ace of Spades. I, I Same like here. Love, love the song, money, but some money. But yeah, thirty grand, forty grand aside, that's a little bit, that's a bit much. Yeah. yeah. I, I for yeah, yeah. some reason, I'm also drawn. I mean, I imagine because it was, I believe it was the title track in two, Rage Against the Machine. I'd, I'd, yeah. So I'd probably have to put them up there number as well. Number four, yeah. He's number they're number four. Yeah. Yeah. Solid yeah. They were they were one of our they were one of our woulda coulda you know, but we couldn't. It just yeah. you know, I hear you. just didn't happen. The last they're, they're a biggie too. The last question we have for you tonight, uh, and you yeah. touched on it slightly in the beginning of this interview, but let's go a little bit deeper. What is the best non Tony Hawk skateboarding game going all the way back to the beginning? And why is it TNC surf designs on the NES? <laughs> okay. I'll, I'll start with the last part of that question. I have no idea. <laughs> no, no clue why, why that is. Um, but the, as far as skate games going back, the outside of Hawk, the, you know the hawk series the most fun i had and probably the most i the, the game i played second most would be 720 yeah and i still i still have i have a a, a main one of those you know console systems that you connect to your tv and it has 720 unfortunately it doesn't have the the sweet controller <laughs> but i'll still bust i'll still bust that thing out and play play it i mean i i I loved 720 i love yeah. that game it's i mean i played so much of it in the arcade yeah Bef- um, so yeah, I mean that, that, that to me, and it's, it was a lot different. We had a lot of, uh, there were a lot of other games that came out while we were making our game. MTV came out with a game. There was uh, grind session had, had their game and, and they all did sort of the same controls, but they never got, you know, you could use our controls, but if you didn't have the physics, it still just didn't fit. It didn't feel right. Yeah. So yeah, I'd have to go way back to 720. Yeah, Grind Session was the other skating game I was playing around that time, and I always thought it felt a little floaty. So I'm, I'm, and it just didn't yeah, feel as tight. Yeah, so yeah, yeah like you're on the moon. Yeah, yeah. a l- little bit. And I, skateboarding was almost a damn near impossible genre to nail before the Tony Hawk games came around. So I think just from a revolutionary standpoint, there's always that to be able to put that in your back pocket that you did it right. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. Yeah. And also to all the all the other guys that worked on it for sure. Yeah. All right. Well, Ralph, that was it. Uh, we really, really appreciate your time on this bonus episode of We Podcast, and we know things. If you could, when the interview's over, just hang on the line just one second. But everybody, thank you so much uh, for for hanging with us for the bonus episode. And one more time, Ralph, thank you so much. Yeah, hey, thank you for having me. Yep, at one more time at THPS Film on Instagram, thpsfilm.com. Again, Ralph, hang on the line just one second, and we'll see you everybody next week for episode 200. I wish I still skated.